for those of you that haven't met me, uh, my name is Nick, Nick Kimmons, and together with Chris, who is on keys, uh, we are the senior pastors here at Asher Vineyard. Um, and you've actually caught us in a mini-series talking about Christmas. We thought it would be rude not to. Uh, so Chris did the first talk last week about the promises of God, and he compared the different reactions between um, Zachariah and Mary, who listened to the podcast for the whole story, but basically they were both visited by an angel and told of a promise that seemed impossible. But they both responded in very, very different ways. And Chris's encouragement to us last week was to not let our hearts get old and crusty. And he was saying that Mary, who had this young heart almost, was so supple towards God's um, amazing power and work in her life. But Zechariah I think had been a little bit hardened by disappointment. And so therefore, when he was given an amazing promise, he found it too hard to believe. Um, And actually what Chris was encouraging us was, when God makes a promise, he will deliver. But sometimes our heart condition is the thing that gets in the way and that we need to remain really supple and soft towards seeing God's promises in our lives. So that was last week. And this week, Chris is like, it's good, it was good. It was a great talk. Um, And you should listen to the podcast. Um, So this is part two, really, and I'm going to be focusing this morning on one single verse in the Bible. And this is from the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah is a book in the Bible, which is known, he's known as a prophet. And what that means is he's like a mouthpiece of God, if you like. He speaks on God's behalf about things that will come, things that will happen. So that's what prophecy is or the prophetic. It's speaking a preferred future. And Isaiah was one of these. And he wrote many, many predictions, if you like, of what God would do. And one of them, famously, we often talk about at Christmas. And in fact, I had a Christmas card only this week with this verse written on. And we are going to focus on this today. And it's from Isaiah chapter 9, and it's verse 6. It says, for to us a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And in this last season of time, in these last few months, I've been asking Jesus what has seemingly become quite a dangerous question, actually. I've been saying to Jesus, I just want to fall more in love with you. I want to know you better. I want to know what you're like more. I am not content with knowing you here. I want to know you here. I want to know you in a way that it flows out of everything I do and everything I say. And as I've been preparing this talk, I feel like he asked me this question. I feel like God said, Nick, Do you know me as these things in your life? Do you know me to be wonderful? Do you know me as counsellor? Do you know me as mighty? Do you know me to be your everlasting father? And do you know me as a prince of peace? And I think what I've realised is I am massively a work in progress. I think I've, I've been really fortunate to know Jesus nearly all my life. And yet, at 40 years old, it turns out I still barely know him. 
And what I've been learning as I've been spending time in one single verse is that he is so much more than I ever give him credit for. And I want to spend just a little bit of time thinking about these promises that are found in the names of Jesus, that he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Why why does it matter? Well, one, because we are invited to know God personally and intimately. He is not a God that is to be kept at arm's length. He is not some as um, my humanist friend says, he's not some invisible friend in the sky. That's not who he is. He sent Jesus to earth so we could get to him, so we could know him intimately. But there's a second part too. We are also invited to imitate him. We are invited to show the world what he's like. And if you ever want to represent someone, you can't do it very well if you don't know him very well. And this is what I feel like we as a community are being invited into. So the first name, the first promise is that he will be wonderful. And this word has become so diluted in the English language, it would seem. Very often now, we would use the word wonderful to be the same as nice or lovely. Oh, that was wonderful. But actually, the original meaning of this word means miraculous, Wonderful means full of wonder. Wonderful is a word that speaks of something that stops you in your tracks and makes you go, wow. That's what wonderful actually means. So when you, you know, for example, Ashford Sings performed yesterday at County Square. We run a big community choir and they were amazing. But many people are like, oh, that was wonderful. And I was like, now, having been preparing this, I'm like, was it? Was it wonderful? Like We use this word to mean it was great, but there's something more. I mean, maybe it is miraculous because they did sing a traditional carol on four-part harmony and it sounded amazing and it's only taken nine years for that to happen. So there was an element of wonder in it. However, wonderful in this context is one of those, wow. If you watch um, small children when they walk into a place where there's Christmas lights, That's what wonder looks like, that moment. My absolute heart's desire is to know Jesus as more wonderful. And the more I've asked him, the more he's showing me. And one of the results of this is that um, Chris and I have talked recently, we are on the edge of tears most of the time at the moment. And it's not just because we're tired, and it is that time of year where we're quite busy. I honestly feel like I've asked him, show me your wonder, and I'm seeing it everywhere. And it brings me to tears. Even just last week, we had a lady that arrived in Ashford um, at the end of last week in a police car with her two children having escaped domestic violence. She turned up, within 24 hours, she'd come to the Compassion Cafe here, and she had been loved and listened to and welcomed. And then she came along on the Sunday morning and was loved and welcomed. And then we have a shop called The Beehive that provides women's clothing for ladies in need. And actually, we had 17 ladies waiting for appointments at the moment. We're very busy. And it would seem that she would need to wait potentially a week to have her appointment. But she needed a coat. And actually, it's really cold. And so we were like, don't wait for an appointment. Show up at the shop as soon as it opens on Monday and we'll get you a coat. Would you know the wonder of what Jesus is like? She shows up at the shop 
at the exact time that someone who's trained to do assessments is there, and at the exact time where someone has cancelled their appointment and is unable to attend. That's wonderful. Like, isn't he clever? Isn't he so clever that the moment she turns up in the shop, someone effectively is waiting for her to arrive, and she doesn't just leave with a coat, she leaves with a bag of a new wardrobe and being loved and seen again. I would encourage you, if you are not in wow moments about Jesus often, ask him to show you. Just be brave enough to ask him to show you because ever since I've asked him, as I say, I'm just crying all the time because I just keep seeing things and going, wow, Jesus, you are so wonderful. He promises to be wonderful in our lives. The next thing that we are promised in this verse is he will be counsellor. Now, for years, I totally misunderstood this word and thought it meant like therapist. Um, he's pretty good at that as well. But it's not what it means here in this context. Counselor in this term means actually wise counsel. It's a great advisor. That's what it means here, that Jesus will be an incredible advisor, have so much wisdom to offer. Now, we heard a talk by a guy called Alan Scott years ago, who's a pastor. Um, He's over in America now, but he was in Northern Ireland for years. And he said that in the world gone by, knowledge used to be king. Knowledge, if you were full of knowledge, you were very influential and powerful in the world. But since the birth of the internet, you can now ask a four-year-old what the elements of the periodic table are, and they can Google it and find out within like five seconds. So when knowledge used to be the thing that made you influential and powerful, knowledge is no longer very powerful because we all have access to it in a phone within seconds. And he said, what instead the world needs is not knowledge, the world needs wisdom. We need wisdom. We need to know how to use the knowledge But also, we need to be able to tap in to this incredible wisdom that God has. All wisdom is held in him. This verse in Colossians, one of the books in the New Testament, says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He contains every answer to every question you could ever ask. But my biggest problem is that I don't ask. I've said many times on this platform before that my breakthrough is too often on the other side of my self-reliance. It turns out I think I'm pretty capable. And so I walk into situations and I just try and do them by myself And he's saying, Nick, if you would just stop for a minute trying to do this by yourself and you would ask, I have the things that will unstick every stuck situation you see around you. Jesus holds the keys to every situation. And what I'm trying to learn to do is, um, I don't know if any of you have ever seen it, it's not been around for a few years, a program called Super Nanny. Um, seeing some nods. And basically, there's this woman who um, basically is like this amazing expert on parenting. And she gets like dropped into a family where the children are 
effectively just running amok. And she gets dropped into a house and she then goes and teaches the parents how to get the best out of their children, shall we say. And, uh, and so <laughs> how to draw the gold from them when they're throwing things and they're not sleeping. But what I find fascinating is there's always the ones that don't sleep, the kids that do not sleep. They are up every five minutes in the night. And what she does is she gives the parent an earpiece and she goes into the next room with a camera and then she speaks to the parent. And as the child is kicking off and not sleeping and getting up again, she's saying, okay, just gently lift them back into bed and say these words. And she's coaching them. She's training them through every element of what's going on. And of course, by the end, the child is sleeping beautifully and they've broken this cycle. But I've often wondered what happens when she leaves the house and the earpiece is gone. And there's an element of, I find myself in situations all the time where I think, oh, I could do with someone in my ear right now saying, do this, say this, go this way, do this thing. That's what this means. That's what this means. Jesus is promised as counsellor. I am desperately trying in my life to live with one ear on the person I'm speaking to and one ear on the Holy Spirit saying, what do I say? What do I do? How do I respond now? What should I do in this situation that will see it transformed? Do you know him as counsellor or are you trying to take your own counsel? The world, will t the world will tell you all day long the only person you can rely on to fix problems is you. It's total rubbish. It is total rubbish. You can't get yourself out of every situation. But he knows the answers. And if you would take the time to ask him, he's desperate to let you in on some of the secrets. The next promise is found in this name, which is Mighty God. And this talks about strength. Do you know, there are some situations where you need wisdom and there are some where you need wonder. But if you can't open a jar of spaghetti sauce, you don't need to think, oh, let me think about some wise strategies to be able to undo this. And oh, maybe if I think about the wonder of the, of the rubber glove, the, the wonder of the jar, you just need strength. That's what you need in that situation. You don't need wisdom. You need muscle. And this is one of the other characteristics and facets of Jesus. Sometimes you just need his might. You just need him to come in and smash through the thing that is in front of you. You don't need wisdom sometimes, you just need strength. And that is what is so incredible about him, is that he can come in a time when you need breakthrough and actually the strategies aren't going to fix it. And Knowing the miraculous isn't really going to fix it. You need his power and his strength. And that is what he promises when he says he is mighty. And he then says this, that he will be everlasting father. I am absolutely fascinated that hundreds and hundreds of years ago, a prophet spoke out something that we would need to hear today more than ever before in our society. Wow, do we need to know what fathering looks like. Fatherlessness in this culture is at pandemic proportions. I think I used a statistic before where it's more likely for a child to grow up in a home with a dog than it is with a father now. That's not okay. 
And somehow society has removed the role of the father and said it is surplus to requirements. And I would say that Isaiah had it right years and years and years ago. He knew, he knew and God knew that we would need to know him as an everlasting, never abandoning, never leaving, never being emotionally unavailable father. And this is something for me, my dad died when I was just a couple of months old. So I've had to fight quite hard understanding what God's like as a father because I didn't know. But it is a beautiful journey of discovery because mothers are wonderful, but they're not fathers. Mothers are incredible at providing for children's needs, but there is something woven into our DNA that is father-shaped. And we need fathers. And where we don't have natural fathers, we need society to provide us with fathers. And the Hebrew word that's used here actually was used interchangeably to be fathers, grandfathers, instructors, rulers, teachers. And we need men in this society to rise up into all of those roles. But even if they don't, he says, I will be everlasting father and we need to know it because it's beautiful and sometimes we need something that's more than what a mother can say I'll never forget the moment that I put my prom dress on in sixth form and I came to the top of the stairs and my mum said you look beautiful but actually what I really needed in that moment was a father to say you are beautiful Because that speaks to the core, a father speaks to the core of a woman's beauty, if you like, in a way that a mother can't. And it's not that my mum did anything wrong. But there are certain things we need to know as followers of Jesus that come only from a father. And he is desperate to show us. And I would ask you, do you know him as an everlasting father? And finally, he says, he will be prince of peace. And the word here is shalom. And it's so much more than feeling peaceful. It's another word we have just completely diminished in its answer. We've diluted the meaning of this word. And so it turns out there's some people who've said it much better than I could. So we're going to watch a very short video from the Bible Project uh, where they describe what this word actually means. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. 
In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting, it also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom, and his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. I would highly recommend those videos, by the way. They are, there's loads and loads that are called word studies where they take one word from the Bible and then they just expand it and explain it. But it really helped me understand the context here where Isaiah says that he will be called Prince of Peace. And the message translates that as he will be called Prince of Wholeness. We live in a world where there is so much brokenness. And what I love is that God isn't inviting us to just feel peaceful in some like meditative state when we think about it but he's inviting us into what wholeness looks like. And I heard a wonderful, wonderful quote um, this week that says, peace isn't the absence of something like noise or conflict or anxiety. It's the presence of someone. Jesus says, I am the prince of shalom. I am the prince of wholeness. Do you know him like that? Do you know him to be the one that when you see a broken situation that he's not trying to just patch it up, but he is looking to restore wholeness to that situation? You see what I mean about when you just spend time asking him, he's so much better than you think. Honestly, I've been around church hundreds of times, but as my heart is softening towards him, he's showing me in new ways what he's really like. And as I thought about all of this, I said to God, but 
like, but what, I can talk about this, but what difference does this actually make day to day? And it was, I was sat um, having what is a very precious hour in my week where Lucy goes to play tennis and it's too far to kind of come back and go back again. And so it's an hour in the car uninterrupted with nobody else on a Friday. Don't ever call me on a Friday between 3.45 and 4.45. I will not respond. It's like a precious moment in the week of quiet. And I was just spending time in that hour just talking to God about this talk. And I said, but I don't get what the, like, what's the application? And I felt like he showed, showed me a picture of a set of golf clubs and how when a golfer approaches a shot in golf, he knows which club to pick according to what he needs to do with the ball. And so he will approach, he will weigh up everything that's going on around him or her and will pick out a golf club that will be the right club to basically get the ball to the right place. And I felt like God say to me, these names, these five promises are like golf clubs. You need to start to learn when to invite me to be this thing in this situation. And actually, it's been brilliant. Like, it's given me, I find prayer really hard. Like, I know that, like, as a senior pastor, that's a potentially, like, a bit of a bombshell. But like, I find praying hard. Like, I find praying hard without thinking about what I'm having for dinner or all the things I haven't done. Or, you know, I just, I have a very active brain. And so prayer as a passive thing, I find very hard. But active prayer, if I'm on my way somewhere or doing something, I find much easier. And... What I found this week is as I've thought about this, the golf club thing, I've been aware of a situation and I've suddenly thought, what do I need to see here? Do I need to know you as a father in this moment? Do I need to know you as wonderful and miraculous in this moment? Do I need to know your shalom, your restorative power in this moment? What is it I need? Do I just need your sheer might and strength in this moment? And then I pray that way. And yesterday we had a message from Vicky who oversees all our compassion stuff and she was at Sainsbury's for the hamper collections and she sent a message to us that said, please pray, the atmosphere here is tough. She had people and other volunteers had people who when they said we're collecting for families that don't have enough this Christmas, they basically just said, I don't care. Not just one, many. I just don't care. And if you've met Vicky and know Vicky and have seen her heart for compassion, that's like a foreign language to her. And she was saying, please pray, the atmosphere here is just quite hard. And so I found myself thinking, okay, what does this situation need? Jesus, you are mighty. You have the power to bring strength and just break into the whole of that supermarket and change the atmosphere. God, that's what I'm asking you right now. I want your might and your power to break into that situation and change the atmosphere. And do you know what? Their hearts, it seems like people's hearts are hard. And maybe it's because they don't know what you're like as a father. So Jesus, I thank you that you've shown us what everlasting father is like. Come and meet with those people and show them what you're like as a father. And I just went through my golf clubs and I went through that situation. And, you know, it was like having a tool for prayer. And I felt like Jesus saying to me, ask again, what do you, what's the next thing you need to see? 
And then I was like, I need to see this. I want, I want there to be a sense of wonder over what happens in that supermarket. And sure enough, there was so much donated that they couldn't close some of the 220 hampers because there was food and stuff left over. That is a wow moment. So I would encourage you, as you go from here, that this thing you hear talked about at Christmas, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, blah, blah, blah. It can so easily become that. It can so easily be a child at a carol concert standing up saying the words that you've heard a thousand times. I would invite you this week to ask him to show you what he's like, for him to reach out and meet with you in those five ways. Because it is transformative, and he's so much better than you think. So let's stand and we're going to pray. I'm going to invite you just where you're stood to think of one, just one stuck situation that you are facing at the moment. Just one thing. It could be a health diagnosis for a friend. It could be a relationship issue. It could be a financial issue. It could be one of a thousand things. But where you're stood, just close your eyes where you're stood and just think of one situation that is stuck. And then just ask him right now, what are you trying to show me of your nature? And know that in that situation, he wants to be either wonderful and do the miraculous that will leave you stood absolutely in awe. Maybe he wants to give you some advice if you'll listen. Maybe he just wants to break through with strength. Maybe he wants to show you what he's like as a dad. Maybe he wants to bring completeness and restoration. Just where you're stood, I would encourage you to invite him to fulfill that promise that Isaiah spoke all those years ago. Father, we thank you that you are faithful and your promises never go undelivered. Help us to know you as all of these names, not just in our heads, but in our hearts. And I thank you, Father, that you say, where Jesus said, I am the light of the world, but then later he says, you are the light of the world. I thank you that you are also looking to equip us to be bringers of wonder, to be incredible counsellors and advisors, to be strong and mighty, to show what you're like as a father and to be people that usher in restoration. Give us courage and boldness to be able to step into those roles. And just while we're stood with eyes closed, if you are here this morning and you're hearing about this Jesus guy and you're thinking, I don't know him, but today I want to make a decision that says, I want to start a relationship with him. Just as eyes are closed, I'd invite you right now just to raise your hand. And all this means at the end, we'd love to speak to you. We have a gift for you. But if that's you this morning and you think, I would like to say yes to becoming in a relationship with him. That's amazing. We have one hand up. That's awesome. That's three hands up. That's four. Thank you, Father. You're so good. 
Father, we stand as a family today and we celebrate as there are celebrations in heaven over people saying yes to knowing you in these ways. Thank you, Father. Help us to know you intimately. As we come into a season of busyness, help us to draw aside and spend time getting to know you better. Amen. A huge round of applause. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.